Hi, I'm Rob. Tale number 36, The Legend of Rick. I was working at a lodge in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. This place had a bunch of, basically, hotel rooms, a restaurant, and it was in the middle of nowhere. I was a cook, but occasionally I would help out with other things. And I lived at the lodge, and there was no internet, there was no TV, there was no cell phone service. This place was isolated. And also, there weren't a lot of people there to make friends with, and I just didn't have much in common with most of my coworkers. So I didn't have a lot of friends. But there are these two guys, they did setups. They would set up the tables. They would do like big cleaning operations. They were technically a part of housekeeping. And I got along really well with them. Their names were Rick and Ray. And I didn't see them, you know, very often. But when I did, we would stop and talk and Occasionally, I would like go hiking with Rick. He's the one I got along with the best. I really liked Ray too. And so sometimes I would have to go help Rick and Ray if they had a big project. In particular, they drafted me to be the person that helps on the day that they wax floors. And I had never done this in my life. So I had to learn how to do it. They taught me. And then they would wax floors like every two months. And there were just tons of floors to wax at this lodge. I was responsible along with Rick for this big event hall, which you could sit several hundred people in here and do a dinner or a wedding reception or a big meeting or something like that. And so one day I showed up for work and I knew that that was the day I was going to go wax the floor with Rick in this giant gathering place, which was called Smith Hall. And so I get to work, I clock in, I walk down to Smith Hall and there's Rick, he's waiting on me. And he's got all the stuff ready to wax this floor. And the first thing we have to do is, you know, apply this stripper to strip off the old wax. You basically pour it in a mop bucket and then just spread it all over the floor. And then you have to sit and wait and let it do its thing before you move on to the next part. So we applied the stripper and then Rick was like, hey, I got to go do something. I'll be right back. And so I sat there waiting and it had gotten to be like an hour. And so I was like, I'll just finish this part by myself. And so basically what we did, I've since learned that this is not how everyone does it, but what we would do is we would get a wet vac and then we would vacuum up all the stripper and then we would clean the floor, you know, without any wax on it. So basically do like a really good mop job on the floor and just get it super clean. You would actually clean it several times. And then after you vacuum up as much water as you can, you wait for the floor to get perfectly dry and you have this super clean, dry floor, and then it's ready for the wax. So I get it to the point where we have this clean, dry floor, and Rick is still not back, and it's been several hours at this point. I assumed he had just gotten pulled into something else. There was always some fire to put out. So first, I called around. We had these phones. You could just call from building to building, and no one answered. And then we also had walkie-talkies. So I got on the walkie-talkie and called him and nobody answered, couldn't find anyone. This was not that uncommon on a day like this where we were kind of the only ones there. There weren't a lot of guests there. And so I couldn't find him. And I knew it was going to take us a while to do the final wax because you put on several coats of wax. You like put down a coat, wait for it to dry a little bit, put down another coat. And I didn't want to have to be there, you know, more than eight hours. So I got to work putting the wax on the floor. I put on two coats 
And it, you know, it took me a couple more hours and Rick never came back. I just called it a day. I cleaned up and I was going to clock out and I saw Ray and I walked over to him. I'm like, what happened to Rick? Like we were waxing the floor this morning and he just left and never came back. And he just like gave me this look. He's like, Rick got sent home. I was like, what? He said, yeah, they caught him in this drug craze on the premises. I wouldn't believe it, but I witnessed it myself. And this did not sound like Rick. Rick was pretty level-headed and um, that's why I got along with him, I think. I was kind of shocked, but he didn't say he got fired or anything like that. And this is the kind of place where someone in whatever a drug craze is might come right back to work the next day like nothing had happened. So I went back to my little cabin, had some dinner, watched a DVD on my laptop probably, went to bed, and then the landline in my cabin started to ring and woke me up. It was like midnight. I answered the phone. It was Rick. The first thing he did was apologize for abandoning me while waxing the floor. I said, don't worry about it. And then he said, have you talked to anyone about what happened today? And I said, yeah, I saw Ray. He said, you got sent home because they caught you in a drug craze. And then we laughed because that's a silly way to describe someone. He said, no, that's definitely not what happened. And I wanted to call and tell you what happened. And I want to know what you think I should do. I was like, okay, tell me what happened. And he said, when he left me there that morning, after we had applied the stripper to the floor, he was heading off to engage in his morning ritual. And what that meant was he would go find one of the rooms at the lodge that no one was staying in, and he would poop in the bathroom. He did it every morning, he said, at about the same time. And it was about that time when we had finished applying the stripper, so he found a room that no one was staying in, and he had a key for every room because it was his job to clean the bathrooms. He opened the door and walked in and went into the bathroom, and he said he shut and locked the door, which he wasn't sure that he always did, but that day he did. And he was sitting there on the toilet, and he had been in there for about five minutes when he heard the door to the room open, and he freaked out. But all he could do was just sit there. And he could hear someone walking around out in the hotel room, but he wasn't sure what they were doing. He didn't know who it was. And then he heard another person walk into the hotel room and then another person. And it was three women and they were his coworkers on the housekeeping crew. One of them was his boss, Liz, and then two other just regular housekeeping staff people like him. From what he could tell, sitting on the toilet, they all sat on a bed and just started chatting. They were laughing and He could hear everything they were saying. You know, it was just friends talking to each other, having a good time. They were basically killing time on the clock. So now he has a decision to make. He can get up, flush the toilet, walk out there and say, hey, I was in there. Sorry about that, which is kind of strange, but you know, maybe not a big deal. I don't know. He wasn't supposed to be in there, so he would probably get in some kind of trouble. Or he could wait it out. He could sit there perfectly silent and hope that they get up and leave without ever checking the bathroom, and then he can leave after they're gone. He chose the latter. In his mind, he was like, how long can they possibly be here? They have to get back to work. So he's sitting there. He's really in this thing now. He can't make any noise. He can't flush the toilet. His pants are still at his ankles, because he's worried his belt will make a jingling sound that they'll hear if he tries to pull them up. And... They don't leave. 10 minutes turns into 30 minutes, turns into an hour. He's just sitting there, listening to them talk. And again, they're talking about nothing. 
they're friends, they're laughing. And time just keeps going by. And then he hears them stand up, and he's so relieved, and he's like, finally, they're going to leave. And he can see, like, their shadows under the door, and one of them leaves the hotel room. This crazy thing might actually work out. But then one of the people that hasn't left says, Hey, is there a light on in that bathroom? Rick had not turned the light off. He thought that might draw attention to him, but it was really light outside, so he thought maybe they wouldn't notice. They did. And so one of them tries to open the door, and the door is locked. And they keep jiggling the doorknob with no luck. And then Rick hears the voice of Liz, and she tells the other two to go get Ray to come open this door up. And Ray gets there, and he goes to open the door, and he tries it first. But he has a key that can open all the bathroom doors, and Rick can hear him put the key into the lock. And Rick jumps off the toilet and grabs the doorknob. And so Ray unlocks the door, but it still won't open. And Rick is hoping that he'll just think the door is broken, and he'll leave to get some tools or something. But you can tell when someone's pulling a door shut that you're trying to open. And Ray yells out, somebody's in there. And Ray, who's very strong, is pulling as hard as he can to open this door. And Rick is fighting for his life to keep it closed. Pants still at his ankles. He hasn't pulled them up yet. He has finished all his business. He just needs to flush the toilet, but his pants are still down. As he's standing there having this tug of war with Ray. And he realizes he's going to lose this battle. So Rick says he somehow pulls up his pants with one hand while still holding the doorknob with the other. And then he lets the doorknob go. Ray flies back onto his butt. The door's open. Liz is standing there, looking at Rick, who's holding his pants up with one hand. And Rick runs. He jumps over Ray, runs out of the room, runs to his car, and leaves. He doesn't say anything to anyone. And Rick tells me that. And then he says, so I didn't get sent home. I left. And, you know, I want to know if you think I can come back to work. And then he's like, also, I didn't flush the toilet. They had to see that and deal with that. They had to flush the toilet for me, which I regret. I should have flushed it before I ran out. I was like, you know, I think if you just call your boss, Liz, she was sitting in there not doing any work. You were sitting in there not doing any work. No big deal. I think she'll let you come back. And he said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call Liz. I'm going to apologize. And I'm going to come back to work tomorrow. And I was like, great. And we hung up. But he never did call Liz. He just never came back to work. And I never actually saw him again, but he did reach out to me on Facebook or something and explain that he was just too embarrassed, which I understood. I think I remember this story so well because I could see myself getting stuck in a situation like that and really kind of digging in, trying to get out of it, and it just totally backfiring. And it's kind of sad because after he was gone, he was kind of known for that. But he was a great person and I was happy to get to know him and be friends with him for, you know, the short time that I was. I'm sure that maybe even today, people at that place still talk about the legend of Rick. Rob Tells Tales is produced by me, Rob Tiffin. I had some additional editing help from Ben Lamb. The cover art is by Marcella Johnson. She also came up with the title of the podcast. Our theme music is by Mitchell Hardage. 
You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and at robtellstales.com. This podcast would have not been possible without Ben, Marcella, and Melanie. Thank you, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.